Destroy your Bunsen burner, kick your nearest scientist. This is the only science you will need. This is probably science. I'm Matt Kirshen. To my right is Andy Wood. I'm Andy Wood. <laughs> That's, I should stop starting the podcast like this. We're meant to be pro-science and I'm instantly... St- it's sort of you're encouraging vandalism. I'm encouraging and vandalism and hatred of actual science, where knowing full well that we have limited facts. Uh, for those new listeners, for those who haven't heard the show before, we bring you the Week in Science News with funny comedians. Uh, Andy and I both have a vague background in science. Uh, but our main background is in comedy, and sat opposite and across from me are our, we've got a double guest episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, with two comics who I I, bel- I don't know what, what their science background is. Let's find out. But we have um, oh, yeah. from America, <laughs> TJ from, Chambers from all of America, <laughs> from yes. all of yeah. America, America's favorite. Uh, I mean, hello, yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. TJ wearing the represent America stars and stripes boxing shorts. Indeed. So he's carrying the flag. Do it always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Coming out to some uh, to some James Brown yeah. in America. Yep. Mm-hmm. And literally carried in here in a kangaroo's pouch. That's me. We have Celia Picotta. Hi. I'm quite similar to you guys in that I have a vague science background. It's so oh. vague, in fact, that it's like it doesn't exist at all. Really? It's like there's not even any... No, no science it's background. It's translucent, oh. almost transparent. Yeah. It's like a hazy... Yeah. It's yeah. like a gas. I'll, I'll go, science. I'll go vague yeah. for vague. That's about... Gas is a type of science. As per your intro... And uh, destroying Bunsen burners. Is there mm-hmm. really any science left to be gleaned from a Bunsen burner? Like, is there anything Probably left that yeah. that is usefully discovering I in the realm know. of science? I'd love to think that there is still like a, there's a few scientists like, who are like... If one guy turns the knob just so, mm-hmm. there's one more thing that the Bunsen yeah. burner can tell us. They're still publishing paper on like the blue flame versus the yellow flame. <laughs> <laughs> if, <laughs> if your job involves a Bunsen burner, please write in. For all I know, it, it actually is a part of, of a lot of uh, chemists' Regular, daily sure. Or an Erlenmeyer flask. Know. Or a mortar and pestle, by all means. Maybe it's going to be like when that in that debate when uh, for some reason someone brought up um, um, (laughs) bayonets. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then people came to the defense of bayonets. Uh, It's still a very useful military tool. Yeah, Yeah. that was yeah. Is this a recent thing that's talking about bayonets? When Obama was debating Romney, uh, and and I think it was maybe a Second Amendment related thing. Just someone was trying to say that just because something was needed at some point does not mean it's always needed. Right, like like vis a vis defense spending. You know, we're not going to stockpile bayonets right now. Like chainmail. Yes, and then and then people came to Romney's defense. It was about the it was about navy funding. It was Romney saying that Obama has cut the number of boats or something like that, and then Obama was saying, "Well, we have." we have these aircraft carriers now that right like we've replaced these 20 tiny boats with one huge one and right. then he was also saying that's why we don't fund horse horses and cavalry swords yeah. or whatever and bayonets i wonder if anyone ever considered putting a massive bayonet on a boat <laughs> do you know like, no, like a narwhal situation like a giant no no I, I will tell no. you about it um, oh God. i actually just started listening to and i are we allowed to plug other podcasts or is that i think we can i don't okay. think there's a this isn't like you know nbc where you it's, can't mention right, a cbs there's, show there's not gonna like be a rumble in the streets well if any of you guys uh, are not i can't getting, believe i went on letterman <laughs> and mentioned leno yeah. why did i'm thinking <laughs> If any of you aren't getting your history fix from Probably History, which is a subset of this podcast we do occasionally, uh, you can listen to The History of Rome, which is a 200-part series that someone did over the course of three or four years. I forgot the name of the host. See, i got no problem plugging that one, because no, who's got the effort? Who's yeah, got the time? Yeah, really. If you're, driving, if you're driving to Portland and back, you got the time. I'm about, uh, I'm a good 10 or 15 hours into it, and it's fascinating. I knew nothing about Rome. A good 10 or 15 hours into it is good. Good <laughs> is definitely the right word. All right, we're plugging the book. It's and good. I, and I'm not even a big history buff. It's, I mean, I would have thought this would be dry, but it's really interesting, and I I've been listening to it even just like doing 
chores around the house since I got back. So History of Rome is a great podcast. And I learned that um, the Romans were, uh, when they were doing battle with the Carthaginians, who were more of a, um, like Rome had a great land-based military and they dominated in land battle. And then Carthage was a big um, trade empire. Underground. They were <laughs> underground like a subterranean situation. Yeah. yeah. So okay. they had they had an advanced navy, and okay. Rome had next to none. But at a certain point, those were the two main powers in the Mediterranean. So they were doomed to battle. And uh, Rome's strategy was to there was a Carthaginian ship that ran aground, and Rome just um, took it apart, reverse engineered it, built a fleet out of that. And they didn't know shit about running a navy, but they just like raised a raised a navy and took off against the Carthaginians. And uh, at the time, the big strategy was to ram. A boat from the uh-huh. side, use the the bow yeah. as a as like a, a bayonet and just ram another boat in its side to make it sink. Um, but the Romans had a thing I forgot what it's called, like a, a hook almost. They come up near the boat and then this thing would go choom, and it would uh, clank that down. Sounds into like the, the original Robot Wars type thing. Yes, the <laughs> Robot Wars yeah. kind of spike, and then they'd run over onto the ship and do yeah. what they do best and kill you. In well, they la- kind of land make battle. it into a land oh, battle, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. Vis-a-vis the hook. And the, all right, yeah, great. So listen to your own podcast. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I don't want to fight you in the water, so I will drag you to the Yes, to we're going to make it a land battle the on the land. water. You kick yourself. Well, there I you go. I just ground so. the science to a halt, didn't I? I'm sorry. But yes, bayonets. <laughs> that's that's going to happen a lot. Bunsen burners. Let us know if you use a Bunsen burner. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because is there a Mr. Bunsen, Mrs. Bunsen? There probably was a bunch. I imagine that their descendants would be like really angling to make sure yes. they keep in the vernacular they're still in. Yes. For the you know what I mean? Imagine if your so. family was that was your claim to fame. Maybe you'd be really there. maybe or maybe they're just really pissed off that the the original Bunsen forgot to trademark it. It's like every every science class they're like we could have been billionaires. Yeah, we, <laughs> every time. we could have been like that Tetra Pak family. <laughs> who by the way, one of the richest families in the world. Tetra pack. You know, you know the um every carton of orange juice or oh, milk, yes. you know that sort of the 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 carton where it sort of folded at the top and then folded oh, down. Yeah. What the oh, oh yeah. What are the chances their last name was Tetra Pak? Yeah, it's weird, right? <laughs> yeah. The tetra- it's sort of difficult to open if you don't open it from the right side. Yeah, but the that correct side. that design, that way of folding cardboard like that that can then contain a liquid. Uh, that's one family owns the trademark of that and makes it. And everywhere. there's like wow. probably some like douchebag coked out grandson who's just oh. like living oh, high. The worst. <laughs> the worst. Every time you buy an orange juice yeah. that's in one of those yeah. containers, you are funding. Cool. <laughs> Every time in elementary those... school, he was just like, "Somebody do this for me!" Is yeah. come on, like, <laughs> fuck yeah. you, my yeah. grandpa's tetra pack. He's <laughs> <laughs> just hanging out in that section of the grocery store, waiting for someone to pick one up. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, what you know where that came this? from? Glad you yeah. asked. Well. It's um, another. That's another scent towards me never <laughs> working <laughs> ever. <laughs> oh man, the Paris Hilton of the Tetra Pak dynasty. Mm-hmm. Uh, meet that guy. How uh, do we get started down this road? Uh, I don't know. Well, I'm sorry. I'm science. Um, TJ, what is your science background? Uh, you know, it's it's as a fan of the podcast, I sort of knew that that question was coming, <laughs> and I was like, well, this is great because I have such a robust and deep science background until I realized that nothing could be further from the truth. Oh, that's okay. I have I have a humanities degree from a party school, Arizona State University. So other than like the requisite, you know, basic geology class and reading the occasional sort of like Michio Kaku sort of uh, like very astrophysics light mm-hmm. book. Um, yeah, like in my head, I have a romantic vision of science as a thing that is cool and wonderful, but in actual reality, I know virtually nothing about Sorry it. Sorry to segue off topic again, but that's fundamentally what this podcast is. Uh, the <laughs> People concept- who think that they... No, like, our, our podcast is, if nothing else, it's defined by segueing off topic. Yes. Oh. But, um, but uh, party school, this is a 
exclusively American concept, mm. I think. Like, that's not... I don't think uh, it was founded with that, with that intent. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> but that. the thing, places are known as, like, that's a party school, that's not a party school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, they, I, I suppose the individual schools try to fight that kind of designation. Sure. They yeah. sort of complain every time some publication comes out and lists the best party schools, but then they're also sort of disappointed if they drop off that <laughs> list. I think the best party, they have the best parties. Yeah, or people or, go there knowing, like for instance, my school, Arizona State, is the, one of the largest enrollments in the United States. So they'll accept, the application process essentially like fogging a mirror and, and having a pulse and then you're in, <laughs> right. which means that they accept a large number of students. So sort of like the disparate masses of the Western United States who need to tell their parents they're going to college and making an effort, but they really just sort of want to kind of minimally skate by oh. and drink, come to my right. my school. Well, I wonder, I don't even know, in the UK, is it a lower, or in Australia, is it a lower percentage than in the US of, of people leaving um, high school who go to college? I, I assume so. It seems no. like a uniquely American thing that everyone is expected to go. Uh, no, it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty much the case in the UK as well. And there's definitely schools that vary in levels of academia uh, and entrance qualifications and so on. Mm-hmm. But... And I guess there are some, there, some universities are better known for the social life than others. But mm. I don't think there, there isn't but really... you have a robust social life even at your top. You know, there are, there are drinking societies and things like that even at... Yeah, well, because everything... Of, the legal drinking age is 18. Mm-hmm. So all of the social yeah, life... Yeah, you guys, that was really We really tough, screwed the pooch tough, on that one. That was yeah. strange. Call I came lead. over here for the first time when I was 19, and that was a shock to the system. Been boozing, you know, since I was 16, but legally yeah. since I was 18. Yeah. And then 19, suddenly, no, 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 not doing anything. Yeah, because anyway. in Britain... Yeah, totally, because in Britain and Australia, the 18. drinking age is 18, but also... It's oh, like, so if you can see over the bar, you're probably yeah. going to let you order. The concept yeah. isn't like it, it's not frowned upon. Like people, parents give their kids drink from an earlier age just to get them used to the idea of what alcohol is and the safety of the home. That kind. Right. Of, there's there's not the puritanical like this is illegal. You are breaking the. Right. If you give a twenty year old alcohol, right. you right. might right. as well be just driving <laughs> yeah. a car into a child. <laughs> Um, but there was a period when we briefly went back to 18 in a lot of states. I think it was around Vietnam with the theory that like when the draft was around, if if, if you're old enough to die for your country, why can't I at least have a Well, beer? that's still mm. the case. I mean, like every country has weird inconsistencies with the law when it comes to what you have, what age you have to be for different things. But that's a ridiculous one. Yeah, like, I mean, in the in the UK, yeah. you can be, you can get married at 17, but you can't watch porn till 18. So you're just like, <laughs> how are you going to know how to do it? Then yeah, first right, right. year you're just fumbling around. Yeah, yeah. and nature consent is sixteen. Where? Right. Yeah. As, yeah. So you although can, I can see, as British people sort of do, that like, there's uh, some good-natured bumbling. That's kind of what their culture oh, is. Excuse me, on, pardon me. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. That's well, that's of bumble feel? I mean, that is you know that's how I still do it. You don't deny. I good-naturedly bumble into. I've good-naturedly bumbled into many a woman. I bumble for fifteen to twenty minutes, but then I need to rest before I bumble again. <laughs> Mr. Bean's porn was oddly disturbing. I wasn't as good as I thought it, was, it would be. Yeah, yeah it's like it's, that's always that question. Does he really know what he's doing? Right. Is, is he, he able really to make that decision? No, <laughs> oh, uh, So yes, drinking at uh, at twenty one here, but still party schools. And then maybe that's part of why party schools become a thing in the U.S. because it's it's the place where you're grouped in with other people who are also trying to find ways to illegally drink, and you get really clever with. Fake IDs and oh, things yeah. like that. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, and he's still in the science realm. I Actually, when I was in high school, uh, just adjacent to my high school was a Mexican restaurant whose 
uh, bartenders were under the mistaken impression that I was 21. Mm-hmm. I was probably 15 or 16. Did you have and a beard? I, I had the same voluminous beard <laughs> okay, that I have that now. So I, one can forgive them for making yeah. this mistake. And I used to go every, whatever it was, Tuesday after school at 2.30, uh, Bill Nye the Science Guy came on, and I would go drink margaritas and make them put Bill Nye the Science Guy <laughs> on the television. <laughs> Why did you leave the restaurant? That? What yeah, that's true. Was. That was probably the one and only answer that you needed it's like study uh, hall, as far as my science background. So, yeah, a lot Did a lot you know it all come in handy? Uh, <laughs> all the, oh, whoa, these, uh, wait, not whoa, something these years later. Yeah, uh, you, low? Uh, whatever. What's the yeah. word I'm looking for there? Uh, Maybe it's whoa. Celia, what's your science background? Well, not really. I mean, I did, my mother was very insistent that I did at least one science subject, so I did biology for a while. And uh, But I had a very, I don't remember a lot of my teachers, but I do remember my science teacher, mm-hmm. Mr. Kloss, but only because was I had a lot of fun making fun of his name. What was his name? Mr. Mr. Kloss, C-L-O-S-S. So we're dental class, fairy class. Was there a clostomy bag joke in there? Oh, yeah. No, so young. Maybe, probably, I can't remember. But my favourite one was where I go, I go, I can't come to science today, Mr. Kloss. And he'd go, why not, Celia? Celia, And I'd go, because I'm claustrophobic. (laughs) And then he'd go, Celia, with time like that, I'm pretty sure that you're going to fail science. Anyway. (laughs) Um, But we were trying, but, uh, you know, that was when I was a, I was a right, I went to a girls' high school and we were terrors, just awful, horrible people. So, um, tell us some stories about that. Oh, just being smart asses. Like one day we had a, a substitute, te- like a student teacher. So to mm. us, it was like, this guy's so old, he would have been 20. <laughs> <laughs> and he had a tape recorder at the back of the, the uh, he was obviously like taking tape, like taping his set. Right. You know, as a oh, so he like, could go back over and pull yeah. over and over and home. kick himself. Strong and closer we, that day. <laughs> and we found it. So we would stand near it and say <laughs> oh, mean no. things like, oh my God, Mr. McDonald's flies undone. How embarrassing. Can you really and be really horrible to him? Um, uh, and just be little shits. Just like, I remember someone lighting a bit of paper and putting it in a drawer and shutting it. I know, this was a really fancy school. Was well. it a boarding school or just a... They did have a boarding thing there. I didn't board. I was on from the country, but I did get a bus for two hours every day. Wow. Yeah. Two hours each way? No, an oh, hour and a bit, each, oh, no. an oh, and right. bit each, each way, but two buses, so four buses yeah. a day. Wow. Jesus. Because I was in the country and, well, what really happened was I eldest, well, we were supposed to get sent to the public. It's the opposite way around as you as public is the government school yeah. and private is the fancy school mm. in Australia. That's how it is in the US. That's, That's the same is, way yeah. as it is most places. But it's only not. Britain where there's a weird system. The public... Oh. In public Britain, public school, because it's... Because they date back till like the 1100s or something. <laughs> the, the, the public schools are the original, original schools. Oh, so I they're see. like the soup... They're like Eton and Harrow and... All the ones that look like Hogwarts. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, the pub- That's the public school system. Uh, so I when see. someone says public school boy, they mean... Like the sort the of super posh privilege, yeah, which um, are publicly funded or not? There's no, 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 no. They're all they are all private and quite expensive. <laughs> they're and open to the public, provided you're a rich genius. Yeah, and so. the schools that are publicly funded are oh, they're to called as- state schools. Oh, okay. Uh. okay. Uh, state right. Um, anyway, my eldest uh, sister got sent to the public, the local school that we all wanted to go to, and got we just had a horrible time. My parents all went. That's it. You're all going to the fancy religious. You're hopping on the bus. Where we all got bullied really uh, badly. Um, uh, so, science. science. <laughs> um, but it's, I'm interested. I just don't know. Did they, um, because it was all girls, I assume, um, I mean, I've heard, I've read studies about how uh, women perform better in a lot of areas when they don't have well, boys Well, that is that- the thing. Like, I would be quite torn if I had children about whether or not to send them because yeah. I did 
do you do better. It did well academically, mm-hmm. but at socially, it's exactly at that's it. Cost. But also at the same time, it did make. I don't think I don't know that I would become a comedian if it hadn't been. Yeah, for that. I said that. I went to a boys' school time. and. Yeah, I think I probably did better academically than I would have done, but also it was a good academic school. Right. So they just sort of spoon-fed Clearly the crucible of that experience has yeah. turned you into the... Yeah, it's a tough call. Do you know what I'm... Do you know? Like, people you are, yeah. Yeah, it was horrible, but worth it now. Like, well, uni was great. Same, Loved uni. Will yeah. you inflict the same horror on your children if it's... Yeah, because I've always thought, like, if, my, if I have kids and if they're too well-adjusted when they're in, like, seventh, eighth grade, when they're... You know, yeah, that'd be 13, boring. 14. <laughs> like, no, because I don't think anybody, if anybody's popular at that age, I'm like, oh, something's wrong. Yeah, you know, because right. like, what, what, what are you doing? Popular to, yeah, at that that's age, true. Look what happened to them. So, yeah. like, they should have a little bit of. of so, you think, you think the key to a kid page. is just to fuck them up, fuck them up a bit between the ages of 13 and 15? No, but I just You're like, don't okay, want... from the age of 13 to 15. I'm going to cut your hair. Right. That's a good idea, actually. But there are those things that are bad, but then they're good for you, like the chicken pox parties. Have you heard right. about that? So, because yeah. it's better for a kid to get chickenpox when they're a kid. Is it weird so that some- I still oh. go to them? <laughs> <laughs> that awkward kind guy in the corner <laughs> who's painting on the pox. Kind You're like, yeah, no, I got it too. I got it too. That's, I'm weird. I'm mad you didn't invite me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I've also heard then if you've gotten them as kids, then you're susceptible to shingles as an adult. Where if you just avoided it altogether your whole life, you might never have. Well, I don't know whether or not that specific case is a real thing, but that's mm. sort of the I- the idea of it. In right. that, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna purposely do this thing to it, you. You'll so thank it, me in the long yeah. run. Yeah. 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 When I said party school, the diseases that were being spread <laughs> were significantly more adult. I should, to I tie should it know. in. But it I is did, better if you get those when you're younger. Uh, again, yeah. better if you can knock I those d- out. I didn't want to mention this, but now that you brought it up, I did read a study where you guys topped a list at some point. Um, there, there's a lot Arizona of talk State. about that Arizona what? State. Is that not true? The, oh, yeah. Oh, no. It's, I, I'm sure true. There's a, a dorm. I never lived in the dorms, but there's a dorm called Manzanita Hall, which is just, you know, is talked of as like the STD capital of the world. And it wouldn't, it, it, in no way would that surprise me if it's true. I think if you've been in an elevator in Manzanita dorm, like it probably clings to the interior of the <laughs> elevator. It's just a bunch of people. You know, taking like a, a, let's take the elevator up a floor and see what's going on in there, and then Chlamydia. bone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, uh, what was this? Was there a study that said did it have like the highest? Highest number. incidence it's, of STDs. It's like a colloquial study. I think right. it's like an anecdotal yeah. study it's where just a guess. everyone just it's sort of looks guess. around and says, "You have you? Have, yeah, yeah, we're probably the probably, highest. Probably the we're probably the highest." Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they're going to stop asking me for alumni contributions <laughs> <laughs> after this. After this goes out. Well, I, got, I I trashed my school for a while. Then a listener wrote it. I was like, hey, it's not that bad. I'm like, okay, I'll stop. Yeah. And you went, so, where, where did you went? Cornell, uh, Cornell. has a reputation for a lot of things, including suicide, which is also, I think, purely apocryphal. I don't think there's actually any stats that show that, that it's... That really bear that out. Yeah, it's just more dramatic when you jump from a suspension bridge a few hundred feet off of a gorge than if you... Whatever. Um, not to bring it down. I'm hey. sorry. Matt, yeah. Well, speaking of contributions, though, we should probably get a bit of housekeeping then. We've got oh, some people we to should. thank. We've had some listeners like, who have donated, sure. uh, which you can do, by the way, at probablyscience.com. There's a little donate button if you want to PayPal us some money just to help us cover costs. Uh, we do appreciate it. Josh Gottby sent us a big donation. Thank you so much, Josh. And uh, Chris Hale also clarified that... Um, we got a donation from a candle factory. <laughs> a candle factory. <laughs> got, that like, was actually from A Chris candle Hale. factory listens to our show, but... It, that is a drug say, fund, is if ever I've heard. <laughs> That's, uh, it's a cash-based business. A lot of paraffin goes in and out. <laughs> yeah. Paraffin, So good luck paleo. with your candle business, Chris, and thank you for donating and for listening. 
Um, we also got a bunch of uh, reader response to the Gallagher episode, most of which was positive. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I, I know that uh, TJ was in attendance. He was at the Bridgetown Festival and, oh, and there for taping. Be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you Celia guys... might not know about. C- no. Celia, uh, I'm guessing, probably doesn't even know who Gallagher is because I, I only found out about him briefly, oh, like good. recently. Then, no. Gallag- it's one of those things you never know when you go, who Gallagher is, that? is Well, we know of- who Yahoo Serious is, so you should know who ah, Gallagher is. Ah. Not Noel Gallagher. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not, not Noel or Liam Gallagher. Potentially That's equally as dickish as yeah. Noel Gallagher, but a different one, yeah. Uh, and I was wondering, I didn't really think that he was a scientist. Are you going to go, <laughs> yes, he's done some studies. Yep, sorry. Uh, no, Gallagher, just Gallagher. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leo, his is first name's The Leo. video game. Do you know there's a... Yes, Gallagher. Oh, that With guy. the accent, yes, I do know it's that. pronounced that way. But, but yeah. also, it's a guy with curly hair who is a... Uh, well known in the what I say eighties, really eighties was his oh, heyday. Yeah. It's one of the biggest TV comics, and he was a kind of prop comic, and finishes that by smashing a watermelon. Oh, see, I know that from references, like right. from okay. this Simpsons and stuff. Yep. Yeah, and he was at Bridgetown Festival and did a series of podcasts, including our one, where it turns out he's a lot more racist than his old specials used to be. What? Seventy eight percent more racist than. But wow. I say, wow. and by the way, listeners, we're not going to dwell on this for the no, whole we're not going to. Okay. Yeah, we did. But I would say racist thing. in in a. In a really specific fashion. That was what really got me. It wasn't just generic. It wasn't your common or garden racism. There were <laughs> people aged 28 to 31. It was, It was. did you know that um, Mexico only sends the short people to America and keeps the tall ones to put on what? TV? Did you know that was a thing? Like, it was that level of specificity. And now you've got to, you've got to respect that. But yeah. also really not respect that. You don't gotta respect that, but it does belie a scientific mind in that he had, he had what he thought were like... Like, like, tested out hypotheses to support his racism. So you're right in that it wasn't garden variety. It wasn't just sort of like a knee-jerk reaction to things. Yeah. He thought he was applying rigorous logic. He said mm. to I the would like notion of experiment. Uh, I would Mexican like to television. see his figures on that. Did you say he did an experiment? Oh, he's, well, he, he never said the words, I did an experiment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the In, in our shock, we never did pry any further. A few people yeah. did tweet saying, I would like to have known what that experiment was that he claimed <laughs> right. to have done. I'm not sure I did, but... So we, we did that show. Okay. Uh, Peter Serafinovich was thankfully the other guest on that episode. Wow, awesome. Which um, he was... Peter he spoke was the for hero. us so that Matt and I yes, could Peter had the freedom and, to sort of... Yeah, because uh, yeah, there, there, there was a point where I didn't want to... And I, I think Andy felt the same, where... I only wanted to take him to task so much because we'd also invited him on onto the guest. Yeah, and I didn't want to like feel like it was... We brought him on just to skewer him. But Peter was thankfully there to be the voice of reason and did it phenomenally with humour and tact and grace and class. Uh, so Peter did that. So we got a lot of response to that and it's been mostly positive. So thank you people for listening to that. It was amongst the awkwardness. I think if comedy is the release of tension, yeah. there has I have never been in such a tense room <laughs> as the hour or so that that podcast took. Like it was just, there was so much tension that every time something worthy of a laugh happened it was just the biggest release yeah. <laughs> just, it was I just had that. I had a spot at the bar which is generally where you can find me in a show and uh, like nursing a wicked hangover and around about the first like Gallagher racist zinger I was sort of like I, I'm gonna need whiskey like, yeah this is not <laughs> well, I'm not gonna get through audience? this as oh, an audience did it as a live one, one. Oh, and um cool. oh yeah and I I mean I tried to get a I tried to get a, sl- a short nap in before my show that evening because I was gigging quite late and I thought I'm gonna and I'd got up quite early to prepare for the show and uh, I just you I couldn't like I was wired yeah. I was wired like, yeah. it was just like I need to be sedated if I'm going to sleep I just lay in bed with my eyes wide open in a darkened room for an hour and a half and then I got up and showered and went to the show <laughs> um, 
but people have been very nice about that and people have also um we do love it when people email in with potential topics people uh, probably science at gmail.com if you come across any interesting stories that you'd like us to discuss or any corrections and clarifications to stuff to things that we discussed in the previous episodes um, yep. Uh, in fact, one of our listeners, Lloyd Landig, sent in an article that I thought was pretty interesting, and he is a fan of ours from England, and um, he's enjoyed a number of episodes, and he loves the Captain Cook stories from Brooks, so we got to get Brooks back on to talk about whatever he's reading now, because it's been a little while. Our usual third host, Brooks Whelan. Indeed. He's very funny uh, and very and very tall. And, very funny and, uh, and very absent, Brooks man. He's yeah. Mercurial, though he is. <laughs> he is. Fickle, but that's, yeah. you know, that's... The, that's we, another we, way of saying mercurial, but it's kind, <laughs> of a, kind of a meter way. Uh, anyhow, so, so uh, Lloyd sent in this article about um, microparticles that are able to deliver oxygen um, to prevent organ damage or death by instantly infusing oxygen into the blood in the case where someone is not able to breathe anymore. Um, it's an injectable foam that contains oxygen-carrying microparticles that could potentially be used to resuscitate patients undergoing severe oxygen deprivation. So this is cool. So, so it's basically rather than putting oxygen into your respiratory system so that then it gets yeah. absorbed by the blood, it's kind of like going, here's oxygen, bam, straight it's into your system. It's right already there. And I mean, it's sort of fast. It's like, uh, have you seen The Abyss? That, I was exactly I, yeah, thinking I that. I love that. I love that scene. The breathing the liquid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thinking they about put the his pet mouse in the thing. That. Oh yeah, yeah. So it, you know, the bit, if, no, I have no idea. But it's quite. It's a great. It's a James Cameron movie that predates. Um, it's probably from like the late eighties. Eighty nine, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, and uh, it's it's about this. Um, does it end up being an alien, or maybe we shouldn't tell you what it's about? Underwater, there's something that they're investigating, and at some point, they have this uh, liquid they develop that they can. Um, you can breathe it. They fill up a person's, like, sort of a spacesuit that they'll take underwater with this liquid. And is it true that it, it's a, that's real? There, there is a liquid that's, it, it seems, so that, or is that like Back to the Future 2 when I believe that there were hoverboards? Because I also <laughs> believed that when that came out. So they're like in sort of a deep sea diving suit things yeah. that are filled with liquid. Right. So they're like, like a that you're actually taking underwater. liquid into your lungs. Right. Ah. And then that liquid is transferring I'm the oxygen. I'm interested the as to what the, where the mouse comes into the equation. Oh, um, the guy's it? reluctant to use, breathe his first friendly time. pet mouse. That, so the science just chucks his mouse okay. in, yeah. into the thing and it's able to breathe and the uh, mouse survives. But oh, it good. seems sound in that sort of this whole concept, I think as they explain it in the abyss, is sort of like, well, everyone breathed liquid for nine months yeah. in, in utero. So there's got to be some way to bypass the normal mm-hmm. respiratory, as I think you Although said. Although wait, do, do, in, do fetuses even get their oxygen through that liquid in their lungs or I just directly through, through the umbilical, umbilical cord? cord. Uh, that, in I, much the way that this, yeah. this delivers I mean, it, I'm, I just, I'm just quoting the abyss. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think right. with that, that feels, feels, oxygenated blood comes from the mother. Right, feels which would be like, similar to what yes, this would be in a way of... This is synthetic blood that's pre-oxygenated that you're just chucking straight into your system. Exactly. bypassing that first stage of and getting And you said it. foam, I think. The word yeah, foam was I, in I'm there. I'm not that sure seems... why they describe it as a foam, but it's uh, the microparticles consist of spherical shells of lipids surrounding a small bubble of oxygen gas. And well, deliver... a foam is technically um, any combination of any gas dispersed throughout a liquid. Okay. In that case, oh. I guess it would be a foam. Yeah. So you'd be able to breathe, but you'd be like two extra or dress sizes. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. Is, that is it worth well, it? Actually, yeah. it, comes is down it, to it? Yeah. Is it memory foam when you start to reinflate that? Is there any point we get to breathe underwater if I look? Is it through a solid? I think it's either, but just bubbles of 
gas dispersed throughout the different medium. Oh, right. Bubbles of gas. Um, and it delivers oxygen almost immediately to red blood cells in a way that's safer and more rapid than currently used methods. Um, the research team led by Children's Hospital Boston cardiologist John Keir found the solution could completely saturate red blood cells in oxygen-deprived rabbits within seconds of inje- injection, and they kept rabbits with totally blocked airways alive for 15 minutes using the oxygen-infused microparticles. Wow. It seems Ooh. like I'm envisioning sort of like a Pulp Fiction Uma Thurman thing where kind of yeah, the second yeah. you... Oh, no? Sorry. No? No, I have a needle uh, thing. I haven't seen that film either. Have, I don't no, ruin. no, I have okay. a needle thing. That's oh, I see. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. <laughs> no foam for you. No foam for me. Keep that airway cut. Um, there was another article I read about this, though. I can't find this exact one um, that mentioned the, the reasons why it hadn't worked in earlier attempts, and it has to do with uh, the, the, the size, I think, of the... I mean, you, you get to the problems with... Um, Expansion, I think, in the bloodstream, and and, and the, the you have to the thing has to be the right. I'll try to find this other article that like the lipids that are why, it like there's lipids carrying the oxygen. Yeah, because it has to do so. with whether the size of the bubbles that it will attach to are correct or. Um, okay, yeah, the free oxygen gas can accumulate into larger bubbles and form potentially lethal blockages called pulmonary embolisms. Um, and injecting oxygen in liquid form would avoid that, but the procedure would have to be done at dangerously low temperatures. So the microcapsules developed by Keir and his team get the best of both worlds. They, they consist of single-area spherical shells of lipids, each surrounding a small bubble, and the gaseous oxygen is then, thus encapsulated and suspended in liquid emulsion so it can't form larger bubbles, which would oh, be a problem. Okay. So it basically is just like it's a way of putting oxygen straight into the bloodstream. Exactly. Without but like a, in almost like individual molecule... Level. Yeah, and smaller, right. and things it sounds that like kind of tricking together. it into the blood, the bloodstream into accepting it, kind of. Yeah, because like. I, I guess it has to be in a way that makes it in it. You can't just inject oxygen into the bloodstream because then you've got a gas then right. bubble in your mm-hmm. veins and it'll then you'll you'll die. So this will hold it in that size, but it can still mingle with red blood cells. So then it disperses and yeah. gets absorbed by the red blood cells, and then you quickly oxygenate blood. That's quite smart. Can I just stop? Because I'm sick of having to breathe. Like every day, I have to do it like a lot of it times. It is exhausting. A surprising number of times. <laughs> um, <I> surprised. <laughs> this this just in. Andy would breathe at a much higher <laughs> rate than, than most think. other people. It's yeah. somewhat disconcerting. <laughs> You're in a room with him. Yeah. Strange that you chose to do a podcast and talk directly <laughs> to a microphone. That uh, cool. Thanks. So, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sending that in, Lloyd. I believe that was from Lloyd. Correct. Uh, yes, yeah. Lloyd Landing. Thank you. We got we got quite a lot of stories that people have sent in. I don't know if we're going to have time to cover them all. Um, someone and we might just put up that l- this link because uh, I th- I read this article as well and uh, I thought it, it makes some great points. If it's the one you're thinking, if it's duck genitalia, that's exactly what it I'll is. I'll go into it a little bit if you um, want. Because uh, it was actually linked. This person sent it in. I have to find the name of the the person who sent it. Um, Joey Hubbard. There we go. Joey Hubbard, who's a PhD uh, student. Uh, at, the University of Colorado, um, an evolutionary biologist. Uh, and Joey said, said um, there was a point in the podcast where Gallagher was asking who was funding these stories. Mm-hmm. I think so well, that he could then, I, these, this research, against the, so that he yeah. could then go into some, and yet Obama, uh, whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but that, is a, that is a charge that often gets made against certain spurious sounding research. Uh, and someone wrote an article for Slate um, entitled Why I Study Duck Genitalia. <laughs> um, a gripping title if ever there was one. <laughs> which is great. I mean, I instantly clicked on it. Even if I didn't have an interest in science, I would have you clicked would have on clicked that story. 
Um, but it's by because a, he was he was under fire. That study was under fire for the same reason. You sort of get people who are knee jerk against yes uh, excessive spending and anything that sounds like there isn't an immediate use for it, they'll jump on it. So and there was a Fox News online poll that uh, in which eighty eight point seven percent of respondents agreed that studying duck genitalia, duck genitalia <laughs> is wasteful government spending. Um, uh, which well, what's his or her case? This is what's Patricia the... Brennan, who is the main researcher. Uh, who? Uh, well, they, they first of all went to went to dis- discuss what is the purpose of science. Science isn't about a specific end necessarily. About trying to solve some, you know, fundamental like some fiscally important problem necessarily. But that basic science is just about gaining knowledge, and then applied science comes from that. You don't always know where a study will lead, but it ends up leading somewhere useful a lot of times, even though it's not the reason you're doing it. And cutting funding for something because it doesn't have an immediate purpose is is short-sighted. But it turns out duck genitalia is is particularly weird and interesting and has direct consequences for studies of of genetics and evolution. Um, Because apparently, according to this article, according to Patricia uh, Brennan, the uh, main... Is it Brennan? the main researcher, um, male ducks force copulation on females and males and females are engaged in what she describes as a genital arms race with surprising consequences. Apparently male ducks have elaborate corkscrew-shaped penises, uh, the length of which correlates with the degree of forced copulation males impose on female ducks. Females are often unable to escape male coercion, but they've evolved vaginal morphology that makes it difficult for males to inseminate females close to the sites of fertilization fertilization and sperm storage um so male apparently the males have counterclockwise spiraling penises females have clockwise spiraling Mm -hmm. vaginas and blind pockets that prevent full inversion of the male penis so the so basically they have like a like a chamber maybe where you might yeah so vaginal panic room (laughs) (laughs) so male ducks are apparently horrible rapists which is a there's a lot of animals like that is it cats who have bar like a barbed yeah most um something that mean they can't it's all pretty most of the animal kingdom has very little respect for the concept <laughs> of consent uh and um f- female rights in general but um it but turns they, out they there's disc- this weird um evolutionary arms race between the genital shapes of these two um so it demonstrates that male competition is a driving force between the male traits that can be harmful to females um uh, she, as she goes on to say, the fact that this grant was funded after the careful scrutiny of many scientists and NSF, I think that's National Scientific Federation or something like that, administrators. National Science Foundation. Foundation, Foundation yeah. there we go. Um, reflects the fact that this research is grounded in solid theory and that the project was viewed as having the potential to move science forward, um, brackets, and it has. Um, so, yeah, it has... It has Useful things that spiral off into no pun intended. Well, it's interesting what yeah. happens, in what order that happens. So if the duck had a spiral, you know, the clockwise first, and then they yes, and it's all, it's also a very specific case study uh, about how I mean, it's this is well, Darwinism at its purest of just yeah, it's, it's yeah so genitalia is where the rubber meets rubber meets the road evolutionarily, where that was mm-hmm. the wording they used, which is true. I mean, that's to fully understand why some individuals are more successful than others during reproduction. There's no better place to look than that. So, but I, I and you, I feel like you rarely hear cases of, or maybe I rarely think of evolution as making it more difficult. That's the thing. For, that's kind of, that's so that's kind of interesting. Like it, yeah. it would be so rampant and out of control that evolution has gone like. 
this got a little crazy. We got a little out of hand. Yeah. We made the Lady Ducks too attractive, <laughs> and we need to find a way to scale this back, I guess. Yes. Because other species, be overrun with ducks. a lot of times, like I think that men get... Uh, men... Man, I keep saying men and women, but I mean males and females <laughs> for animals. You know, man ducks. We should uh, probably point out that uh, Andy is dressed as a duck I throughout do. this podcast. <laughs> which, thank you, by the way, listeners, for your donation, which enabled approximately, <laughs> I believe, a $199 duck costume yes. oh, that Andy is wearing right now. I no longer had to go out of pocket for that, and I appreciate that, listeners, so thank you for that. Uh, but yeah, other species I've heard about how uh, you know many different males will inseminate the same female, and uh, there are different evolutionary that's distinctions the to their genitalia that are intended to like pull out the the or, sperm or of the previous out, mate right? and get yeah. you, you know get yours closer to the delivery oh. site. So you'd think it would it would benefit the females to have you mean it as much like as what much you mean sperm is, as possible inside almost them. That a is way, the best. So you, what, it sounds like what you're saying is duck females can copulate with many ducks and then sort of after the fact choose subconsciously kind of which one no I'm saying other species they want to be do. So I'm surprised okay. that, I'm surprised yeah no that, other like, other species ha- there are some species where the male if the male is getting sloppy seconds, I believe is the scientific term. It is. Mm-hmm. Yes. They are able to replace replace the pre-existing sperm sure. with their own. And presumably, they're more fit somehow evolutionarily. Or basically, I'm right. saying is like it doesn't make sense to me intuitively either why it would benefit a female to be rejecting. Right. To, to, right. But, but it's get, more so choosing the more a stronger yes, mate or the, someone a more corkscrewy. Yeah, that's it. This is literally <laughs> women's right to choose yeah. <laughs> in its purest form. I think it's kangaroos. Maybe I'm going to get this wrong. Who have the some animals who can self terminate pregnancies? Shut really? that whole thing yeah. down, as as, yeah, as, as yeah, oh, some of our worst politicians would say, <laughs> and that's oh. with just. Just a mental. I think it's a if, if the conditions aren't right, if they go, they, there's there's a drought or something like that, and oh, they go, right. they're not going to be able to wow. survive. And it would be co- too costly be of their own wrong, resources to it. carry it to term, probably. So, yeah. like, as in, like, their own food would be wasted on this yeah, thing if it wasn't yeah, going to yeah. survive anyway. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, in my head, I was like, yeah, there's a kangaroo in a one bedroom apartment going, <laughs> yeah, I can barely I can keep make ends meet. How am I supposed to? <laughs> They cut back hours of the plan. <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Um, yeah, but that's interesting. Corkscrew, eh? Corkscrew penises. Oh, you so. poor guys, you got you lucked out. You yeah. boring. Well, <laughs> I know we don't get like a kind of helter skelter <laughs> thing going on. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Straight in and out. Uh, Listen, uh, maybe uh, I'm the future, okay? Maybe they're supposed to be corkscrews <laughs> for me be, too. Be sure to go to probablyscience.com and click on the picture yes. section. Yeah. Or oh, don't. Or oh, don't. And probably. also remember that part to isn't invite... part of the suit, by the way. That's that's uh, the real that's, deal. That's all yeah, in. Sorry. And remember to invite Andy to any uh, wine parties because yeah, he is your guy. Yeah. <laughs> Corkscrew in hand. How are we going to drink this lovely Syrah? If you guys are having mm-hmm. wine parties, duck parties, or chicken pox parties, find us on probablyscience.com. Yes. Um... I, th- I think we should we should get into the proper stories. Uh, sure. Very very quick shout out. I don't think we have time to read out the whole thing, but um, one of our one of our listeners, Marcus Limburg, made a very compelling case. We used to do a pop quiz for the for the guests. Um, one of the questions we'd asked was, "What's your favorite element?" And he made the most compelling and complete case for tungsten I've ever heard. Very thorough. I mean, extreme the kind of thoroughness that only a Scandinavian could. <laughs> <laughs> could have conjured but he's made a very thorough case for tungsten he's got five points should i just touch on them all real briefly did you want <laughs> sure why not oh, yeah first, the na- let's do them in bullet point form okay the name is swedish and it means heavy stone and that's badass mm-hmm. i'm sorry the name the name um 
Wolfram, which I, I believe is what he means, right? That's what they call it in Sweden. Or maybe tungsten. No, maybe. Okay, no, it sounds more like, like a tungsten means heavy stone, but here in Sweden we call it Wolfram, uh, which is pretty badass sounding. Also, it sounds which like means a Wolfram death metal band. Which is kind of like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, second, it's the hardest element that exists when in pure form. This is all according to Marcus. So, Marcus, I hope you didn't lead us, lead us astray because I'm not researching this. Uh, it's harder than steel. Um, diamond doesn't count according to Marcus because that's not the pure form of carbon. Uh, third, it has the highest smelting point. Uh, it melts at 3,422 degrees and makes it perfect for heat shields. Fourth, uh, it's a perfect alloying metal. It's ex it's used in many alloys um, to increase toughness and heat resistance. Fifth, it's almost the same weight as gold. And according to Marcus, it's often been used to make fake gold, since sometimes gold bars are replaced with tungsten and with a gold coating, and it's hard to tell the difference. Marcus I sounds sold. like... Is there is there going to be a fifth Die Hard movie? He sounds like the villain. <laughs> Possibly, I think he might have tipped his hand. Tungsten. Yeah, everything made of tungsten. I'm a living in tungsten. That's all he wants as well. It's just for other people to accept his views. Why can't you guys see how great tungsten is? So, future guests, bear that in mind when you have to answer that quiz if we do it again. Um, let's get into let's get into the stories this week. Certainly. Uh, do you want to kick us off, Andy, or shall I? Uh, should you maybe? <laughs> What's that for? Is that uh you don't have you don't have one already? Um, well, let, let's let's do uh, this first because we are in America, and um, the first working gun has been made from what? a 3D printer. Oh yeah, oh. I see this on on, huh? the, on the Twitter. Dangerous. This made yeah. This is um this was a mainstream news as well. This is a big enough story to have crossed over from the tech news side to the to the mainstream. Um, this group uh, called Defense Distributed uh, plans to make the blueprints available online. They've made a successful firing gun. So uh, now all you have to have is one of those oh-so-affordable 3D printers. <laughs> right. This is so much easier than just walking yeah. to Walmart like we used to do. They've met, Oh, there are so many questions. A 3D printer. Do you know how those work? No. No, no. 3D printers have been around for a while now, and they're getting better, and they're getting quicker. But the way they basically work is they normally, they normally have some type of plastic, and they build 3D objects up in layers. Yeah. So you know the way like a standard two-dimensional printer on paper like the old inkjet printers particularly, you see the thing go forwards and backwards and it just layers. It yeah. either squirts ink or it doesn't squirt and that slowly builds up the picture. Mm -hmm. Imagine it does that and then goes back over the same piece of paper and then back over again and back over again and slowly builds up layers, but in, in plastic. Squirting right. out oh. plastic instead of ink. one whole two-dimensional sheet and so then building on top of, of that, on top of that. what kind of things would people be You can printing. build... Uh, literally anything as long as it's connected to itself as long as there were no well I've seen gaps. people I've seen people print things with separate components as well and, and interlinking components oh um, wow. that and is a thing why, why would someone use so that's, a, that's, a, that's so a picture if, if there if someone were afraid about oh, wow. of the of the impending changes to gun laws then they're going to make a... Are there impending changes to gun laws? Nope, they haven't happened like yet. No, no, yeah. But yes, it's, the non-horrifying version would be to say, oh, I need a new uh, candle holder, and I don't want to run out to the store. I have this 3D printer. I'll oh, download a, a, a blueprint for, for it, and no I'll have my way. 3D printer make one, and I'll put it there. Often what's also happening now is... Um, but they, they were different types of plastics that they can use, and they'll be... I think the longer the technology develops, the more different types of materials they'll be able to use with these printers. Um... One of the things I, I know pe some people use it for, uh, classic car collectors have started to get hold of 3D printers so that they can print obsolete components. Parts that don't exist anymore. Uh, yeah, wow. for like, wow. you know, the trimming on, oh, like, an, say you've got a 1950s Chrysler or whatever. I, I'm not good on cars. Is Chrysler a type of car? <laughs> were, were they still around <laughs> in the 50s? It's 1950s a decade. <laughs> <Is that laughs> Where are we right now? <laughs> uh, 
was it the Buick Skylark convertible? That Indeed. was one from my cousin Vinny. That sounds like something. Oh, yeah. that's, uh, there you go. But pa- positronic traction. Yeah. So if you've got a specific shape of a wing or like the handles that they don't make anymore or the type of screw that... Wing? Okay, you've lost. That's more just cars. Seems like there's a bit on the outside. Uh, <laughs> or landing gear. Or, <laughs> or gun turrets. Right. I don't know parts of cars. <laughs> but um, but people, classic car collectors have started to get those things so that they can reprint out the the mini bits that you'd have to find a busted version of that car of which there's maybe right. only 300 That's in the incredible. world or you can print out a replacement a thing rusty and wow. paint it the right colour it's hard to be impressed by the fact that that's a gun when that is more impressive that's than a gun that's more impressive this is exactly. the scary uh, version of it. as I'm looking kind of at your picture uh, over there it looks a bit like is the film in the line of fire thank you yeah yes. you know what's going yep. on with the John Milkovich has that sort of like plastic alloy whatever gun that yeah it looks like a taser type thing apparently the only non-plastic component was the firing pin which was made of metal Um, what does it shoot then but it shot it shot a regular bullet yeah it'd be hard to 3D print gunpowder probably right Um, but I wonder whether that will at some point in the future be a a plot point in a movie where the like they'll be engaged in the fight while the gun slowly prints uh, in the corner. Oh, oh, yeah. Yes, write it now. The, 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 the like buffering, but a lot more high stakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Version. <laughs> yeah, the little bars going across the screen. Um, I, I at this point I'd like to point out that uh, I think saying something on a podcast constitutes intellectual property. Boom. <laughs> yeah. And th- those of us around that? this table currently, yeah, the Writers so, Guild is aware. Yeah. Of, Screw of, you, of, Shane of Black. This point. one's mine. Yeah. Uh, so is it printed? The gun was printed. The gun I thought you meant they'd made a gun out of the parts of the printer. Oh, no, they oh. Like, print like a gun. Guy they thing. Oh, a gun. right. Wow. And they, no, so they're they publishing the plans oh, for they it. They literally <laughs> have, the, have the 3D blueprint for this gun. This, this gun here is all plastic. And but it, it just costs gets, $8,000. Well, that's just uh, ridiculous. And it just I'm sorry, gets, no, no. The, the 3D printer that printed it costs $8,000. The printer costs no, $8,000. Pr- the print, and the, then the, the components, costs like... That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. What am I talking about? Yeah. Well, actually, but that's... I mean, printer ink is almost prohibitively expensive, it at least for a person is. of my uh, financial yeah. status. So is what that, is uh, the polymer or whatever it is? I don't know. I wonder if that's going to be how it sort of develops. Eventually, it'll be like regular printers where they'll sell them for 20 bucks, okay, but then yeah. instantly run out of ink and then you have to buy the replacement cartridges. Such a that, I just like, I've just said the photo. There's just a quote above. It says, Mr. Wilson said, I think a lot of people weren't expecting that this could be done. Really? <laughs> <laughs> no one was expecting. No one was talking about it, I don't think. Yeah. No, one, there's no one expected. It takes a certain to mindset to go like <laughs> the first people develop 3D printers and then one guy to go, yeah, I know what to do with this. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's sort how of this a typically technolo- American thing. Like, it's, there's it's, a new technology. How could I have fucked somebody? How could I out make a make gun? Out of it? Make a gun, then an eagle, yeah. <laughs> and then another gun. <laughs> Sadly, the eagle died during printing. Um, <laughs> Mr. Wilson, this is very telling. He describes himself as a crypto anarchist and said his plans to make the design available were quote about liberty. So oh, yeah. thank you, Mr. Wilson. En- enjoy. Did yeah. they give his first name? Is uh, is he staying crypto anarchist? By the way, sounds Cody, like Cody Wilson. Okay, wait, he's only a twenty-five-year-old law student at University of Texas. Come on, you're not doing your state any favors. Don't. So another I don't think a law school. student is God, a crypto anarchist. Crypto anarchist. Does it sound like? like sounds those... like you're really in the system, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's really in the system, but at the same time, he's one of those guys who helped out Mulder from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So don't um, don't do that. Mr. Wilson I guess it's too late now it's been published yeah. so um, I guess maybe the, the the limiting thing later on if gun laws do change will be 
the availability of, of ammo, maybe. Who knows? That, that speaks to the sort of Chris Rock, the, the wonderful Chris oh, Rock right. bit yeah, about yeah. how the really the best way to regulate it is to make, make the bullets bullet prohibitively yeah. either hard to get or expensive. So anybody can now do this. I didn't I didn't realize 3D printers were that cheap. Now, $8,000 is not, I thought it was way more. I thought these were things that only existed a few places. And Yeah, well, I mean, that's the same with a lot of that technology. Do you remember like the first inkjet printers were ridiculous and the... Oh really? And they were massive, and the first computers were massive, and then eventually they're like, yeah. Right. I also don't. I still don't understand how a three D printer can print something that has, or maybe it can't. Um, what's the way of describing this? Like everything would have to be. Could something? Let's take your candle holder, holder example. If it had a flange that bowed back down onto itself, and it's layering from the bottom. If there's a part that doesn't connect until later in the layering, oh. can it do that? You know? Or, yes, or and I believe it. Ha- I think I. I could be wrong. I could be about to completely speak out of turn, in which case, again, tweet us at probably science or email probably science at Gmail with corrections. But I believe I've seen like a chain, a, a link, a couple of links of chain connected be printed. Um, but that wouldn't be the problem that I'm talking about right. because it would be something that like as a layer went from bottom to top, if something at a certain layer existed before it was co- in contact with something else. How it would float in midair. Well, yeah. Is there like, an is aspect that- to them that is... That is, instead of building up, cutting away. Could you do you put in a block of plastic know. and then it? Well, also, I be, I'm not sure. It doesn't say in this article whether the gun was printed all in one go because most most regular guns are made of several working parts that connect together and clip together in different ways. Well, so no, it, I, show, it showed a picture actually. It's, it's separate printed components. There so are, you don't print it all at once. There's... So maybe maybe that's okay. With the working parts, for example, it's probably each individual working part is printed separately, like the trigger bit and the yeah. Uh, the handle and the um, oh, and in fact, even you can see the barrel of the gun is separate in this picture. Yeah. So this is bad news for everybody. Scientists. Hey, if you and, needed uh, something else to be worried about, listening mm. public. Yeah. There's oh, it also says they've worked out a way to three D print AIDS. <laughs> so they've they've three D printed the AIDS virus. Why did they go and do that? <laughs> just making the code available and sarin. Oh, it's cool. Right. <laughs> Well, should we do more gun-related stories, or is that enough guns? Do you, for do you have day? another gun-related story for us, Andy? Excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, it turns out that the Starlight cracks. Um, <clears throat> is I'm that sorry. a strip club? Yes, yeah, Starlight <laughs> like, cracks. Oh, you win. You just won the podcast. <laughs> the, and then that 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 strip club can reveal the speed of a bullet that cracks the piercings that. Uh, in oh sure, that's sort of like you mean like ballistically speaking. Yes, ballistically yes, speaking. This is find a out the development in ballistics is reported in the New Scientist's article, which is where we get a lot of our stories from because they're pretty good at gathering science news. Um, they it's long been known that different materials require different amounts of energy to crack them, but not many studies have examined the pattern of cracks left behind to trace back details about the impact. Um, so these guys in uh, Marseille University in France, uh, Nicholas Vandenberg and his colleagues. Uh, or might be Nicolas Vandenberg uh, used an air gun to fire small metal cylinders at glass plates at increasingly higher speeds reaching up to 432 kilometers per hour they filmed it with a high speed camera and the team counted the radial cracks formed by the impact um, so as surprising as that might have been uh, this has not been done before um, I would have thought yeah, that would be a, like a very relatively simple, yeah. straightforward ballistics thing you would you would think to look into. I think that's a thing that the most recent Batman video game does regularly. <laughs> yeah. the, it's like the Arkham City, and you yeah. So what they did, they, the team found a unique relationship between the number of cracks and the projectile speed, and they were able to use this to develop a simple equation that can tell how fast an object was traveling, based on the type of material it hit. 
which is really useful for forensic analysis. You can find the energy of a bullet, or you can work out how fast a car was moving before an accident uh, by looking for cracks in the windshield created by stones kicked up from the road. It seems mm. almost more useful for the car thing than the bullet, because mm. I don't know much about forensics, but I, w- I would assume that like knowing the speed of the bullet isn't Well, that might be able to tell as... you what type of gun fired it, or, particularly if you don't fight if the bullet's not there to be seen as well. Yeah, maybe that's... Just walk back to what caliber gun it was. Yeah, you can work out... Or what particular ammunition, and then find someone who bought that ammunition. Right, right. Would it affect their distance where they were... Yes, shooting maybe that's it as well. Yeah. yeah, yes, you so could you calculate where the bullet shoot. And you do, it slewed, slewed, it slewed down. That's the past tense of slow, it's, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Slewed. <laughs> Andy's Probably brain English. certainly <laughs> hasn't slewed with that one. <laughs> um, yeah, so they could, you could work out how far away the bullet was fired from, and therefore you could then examine around that area. Um, so they, yeah, it, that does surprise me that they haven't done stuff like that because I yeah. know if they're looking at blood, it's a sort of a glass equivalent of blood spatter or something. You yeah, know, well, forensic. That you would... They always go straight to the bullet holes in television yeah, shows. And forensic yeah. people yeah. normally <laughs> run loads of experiments. Like that, you know, there's that, that body farm somewhere in America. I can't remember where it is. Are you aware of this? Uh, where they have? Oh, go ahead, maybe. Body farm, they- also a strip club. Yeah, the body. <laughs> <laughs> it's right next to Starlight Cracks. <laughs> um, but in the body farm, they have a series of corpses. That people have donated their body. They they've gone. Hey, oh, I want oh, to be donated. That really just bright, brought the tone down. Like, haha, body parts, strip club. Oh, corpses. Mm, yeah, oh. serious corpses. Um, They're people, dressed up in like fanciful costumes, uh, though. It's cute. It's uh, yeah, and they and they come on and they get tipped. Uh, <laughs> but they have a serious. They have bodies left. Who people have gone? I'm donating my body to medical science. This mm-hmm. place can have it for forensic science. And they just leave bodies to decompose in various scenarios, at various temperatures, and in like underwater, or buried in the earth, and that. And then they examine them after various different, after being left there for different times, to actually see what genuinely happens to a body. So that then, right. when they come across one for real, they can go, "Well, this has been in the lake for this amount of time because we know that bodies left in this kind of a lake at this sure. temperature." See, that's very that. interesting, and I think important. But this is how selfish I am. That my first thought is, "Oh my goodness, what would you say if someone in a in a comedy crowd said that? Like, what do you do for a living?" <laughs> well, <laughs> I look at bodies in a bucket of water for a long time and write down. Like that's yes. someone's. I'm on job. lake. I'm on yeah. lake duty. Oh. I just submerge the bodies. I don't bury them. I, I just dump in, them in. Yeah, the I lake. work on lake duty. Yeah. You, oh, look at you. You're in a boat. Are you? No. <laughs> Um, wow, but uh, that makes sense. But I still, think, yeah, oh, that gosh. is a weird job. Like everyone who works in forensics has a slightly weird and creepy and macabre job. But that particularly, you have to sort of think like a serial yeah. killer slash yeah. mafioso. It is, or it is, you're right. You, it's you have one to of those, like catch them just before they actually do it. Yeah, and then pay them, to, them the right to do way. it in a right way. It's like yeah, a Dexter style thing. Yeah. Where his dad just like points him in the direction of killing. Because you guys. have to think. Oh, I wonder what other. Things I could do if I wanted to dispose of a body, and then yeah. you do it so that if someone then does it, you can go. Ah, uh, I know what you guys did because we did that last week. We, we thought, thought of that it. as well. Yeah. It does seem like mm. I can't believe we haven't progressed past because just reading sort of the history of science, it seems like a shocking amount of it was based on somebody breaking into a graveyard to to experiment on a body in a way that they shouldn't have, and that yeah. led to a lot of breakthroughs and things like that. But I kind of thought we were done. Done with having to investigate dead bodies? Yeah, I or? mean, sh- sure. To the like, how have we not? So, let's see, you okay, we submerge the body in 32 degree non salt water for four days. Yeah. Like, we haven't learned what that looks like yet. There's still a body farm. I guess there hasn't been a controlled study of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that makes sense. There's a there's an infinite number of things you can do with a dead body, and yeah. you've got to stay one step ahead. And there's of- also been, uh, there's been numerous miscarriages of justice from that. And also, there's, um, other people who study what happens when fire takes a house and there's been various times um there was one quite famous case um 
where this guy was convicted of arson uh, and of setting fire to his house and killing his family and this supposed arson expert from the local fire department went yeah this is the pattern that's only consistent with uh gasoline being poured in the hallway and blah blah and this wouldn't come from this and then someone years later actually ran the experiments mm-hmm. and went no this is all received wisdom and something that people invented but didn't do the experiments properly ah. this these patterns of flames can exactly come from these kind of materials oh, naturally right. and it was faulty wiring and this guy's innocent um mm. i always find that really amazing that hole when they can tell if it was arson or not you know yeah. when, that, when a place has yeah, been completely been demolished you just go how could you possibly link that to a match oh it's normally the it? pentagram drawn in the <laughs> in, in the blood <laughs> in the garden no but that yeah it's like that whole arson thing is yeah but it is thing. it is remarkable and 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 apparently there's a lot of incorrect bullshit pseudoscience associated with those kind of investigations mm. and these people who do these sort of slightly creepy experiments either yeah. on bodies or that on seems houses like, the thing, like if someone is willing to stand up and state confidently enough oh this type of flame pattern can only gonna... come from gas that everyone else is going to go well he's, he must be right he he's sounds really confident about it. yeah, yeah. Because we have a lot of, you know, problems with bushfires in Australia, but that's always fascinating as well because they can go, yeah, they it looks like this fire has been right. deliberately lit. Really? Do they? Or they yeah, don't, well, not always catch the people, but they nearly always find out that it was lit well, deliberately by people or... Well, that's it. I go, how could you tell? Because yeah. they're huge bushfires acres going across, yeah. you know... Yeah, I mean, California, ha- North country, California's got one going on at the moment as well, and it's... Yeah, I have no television reception where I am, so I have no clue what's happening in the world anywhere ever. But I got an email from my mum going, oh, I hope you know any of the fires. I was like, sorry, what now? <laughs> All of my news now just comes from Twitter and Facebook too. Like I didn't know, but I didn't tell a friend posted on Facebook that he was surfing and a, a red cloud of smoke came out over the water. I'm like, oh, there's fires. Oh, yeah. And then I looked on the I was news. very near there. A friend of mine who you guys know got in a car accident the other day and they took her to a hospital just adjacent to that fire. And uh, the hospital was running on like backup generators. <gasps> Power, what? so no air conditioning and that oh because it was so close. Like, why are you driving someone into, yeah, into the yeah, mouth of the, the fire hospital? Yeah, yeah. because they like, won't be overburdened. Yeah, listen, these people are already in trouble. <laughs> She's clean. fine, by the way. I should note that. But uh, yeah, it was. That's uh, it's crazy. The whole it looks like Armageddon out there. It's all just smoke and yeah and insanity. But it's in like Camarillo where I none of us would ever controlled, go. Controlled, isn't it? It's now yeah, it's okay. now seventy percent controlled. Because oh, it or rained something. yesterday as well, which helped. Yeah, there was some some yeah. cool. Th- some coldness. Some cool f- it's sleuth. The cool <laughs> sleuth. Yeah, the cool sleuth. <laughs> Again, I don't know if this is a real thing, but I think it is. But there's a thing about people who like to light bushfires. They'll generally go back and watch go. it burn. And sometimes yeah. they're firefighters. Oh. I had heard that. And um, that I, is not, I'm not saying I love firefighters, but this is not a general thing. But some yeah. <laughs> you know who you are. You know I mean. Not just with bushfires, but also in... um particularly in small towns in America where a lot of the fire service are volunteer firefighters. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot yeah. of cases where they will start small fires so that they can then go yeah, and play hero. Yeah. And that's, huh. whether you're a volunteer or sort of just in a small town, that's sort of kickstarting your economy, I guess, to get something like, <laughs> It's kind you know, of like a subsidy in there's, a way. There's going to be layoffs in the fire department unless yeah. more fires happen. Well, what's the next logical yeah. step? That's but, like, I'm surprised oh, that hasn't been okay, let, Let's say that's officially a plot point for a movie we're claiming, also. Mm-hmm. If that yeah, hasn't yeah. been used let's yet, you've heard that, it. I really feel that's it. not a slur. I feel bad saying that. But yeah, that's not. 
necessarily on any fire firefighters, but I think no. I think it's fair thing. to say that most firefighters do not do that. <laughs> most, firefighters, <laughs> most firefighters. I would hazard are, a guess yeah. that most yeah. of them. Most firefighters are extremely good people and go out of their way and put themselves in danger to save people and stop fires. But, but some are also crazy nuts who. A couple of you. A couple of them are crazy nuts who started those fires in if the first place. If you are a firefighter who has started your own fire and you're listening to this, email in. Tell us about it. I want to hear about it. Also, if you work on a body farm, please email it. I want to know what you hear from a body if farm. If you work on a body farm or work yeah. at it, it the really body does. farm. I'm not sure body it farm is actually the right like, term for it. But. Oh, yeah. is it not? Because that sounds like a gym now. It, it does. Oh. think about it. Yeah. The body farm. Mm. Yeah. You reap what you sow at the body farm. Yay. <laughs> oh, no. That's a great. Okay, we're starting that business. <laughs> awesome. Like no one else can do that. You heard it here. It's a copyright so idea. 3D print. Uh, two movie ideas in a gym. Yeah. Is podcasting the new, like, writing an idea and and posting it to yourself? Sending it to yourself. How could it not be? We've said it. Okay, Body Farm is ours. We should look it up and see see if bodyfarm.com is a thing. I bet it is. I'm going to go for Jim. Does anyone else want to guess if there is a bodyfarm.com? Bodyfarm.com goes to... Uh, it's a domain that's for sale, but it has a picture of a guy with muscles. Yeah. So it's like gym related. Yeah. <laughs> Just a guy who's lifted so many corpses yeah. during yeah. body farming. He's like, I've grown strong. It's <laughs> yeah. a guy with muscles with just uh, destruction in the background. Yeah. <laughs> He's just flexing while a family weeps. Flexing over like a black Dahlia split corpse. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to bring Science. it back to that. Celia's not a fan of the... Uh, aren't you, you said you're squeamish about or is it just needles no just needles oh, okay. I have a reason it's not just oh, okay. a no, it's, so yeah. if you guys donated your body to science would you be upset I guess you'd be dead so you can't be upset but like if you had if there was an afterlife and you could look down would you be upset if your science donation ended up with you being just like tied to a cement block I don't mind I, I legitimately do want to donate my body to medical science like that's the thing I've got a bit about it on stage but it's, a, but it's the truth this is forensic but science but forensic science. science is a branch of medicine um, and I, I don't know. I, I don't think I'd be bothered if that was what it was used for. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'd be bothered. I wouldn't want. I don't think my family would need to know. Like leave fat flowers there. I mean, I don't. I don't need. I don't need them to send oh, them partially yeah. photo updates. We've got. If you wonder yeah. how your daughter's doing, well, She's it's in six that freezer. months. <laughs> she, she, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's like UNICEF. I don't think you get report. I don't think you get reports <laughs> back from. The, <laughs> just, you you didn't adopt this body necessarily, <laughs> but a body like it. It almost seems kind of best of both worlds, though. The hope would be that yeah. you would die peacefully and and gently, but then like cool Someone things could happen cool to you. Shit to you. So yeah, not sexual, but well, I'm interested in. Also go. No, go for it. Oh, it's just with the um the organ because I'd hope that my organs would be in a state fit enough for future use. Yeah. Should someone want them? I mean, yeah. I'm not gonna be offended if they do. I want bet them. you have good organs. Like, they seem like you stuff it. Um, <laughs> well, my kidneys are pretty great. Um, uh, there was a few stories that I find really interesting about someone who'd had a transplant and like suddenly had a taste for a food that they've never had a taste for before. Oh. That spins me out. Like hated like human pumpkin. Flesh? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really into like livers now. Just getting more of them. Um, no, and then suddenly had a really liked that. And mm-hmm. this, I'm sure, I would have made up. They got an accent. I think maybe that was a joke I made in my head. Time. <laughs> I like the thought of way. getting oh a different, getting I a transplant an and accent, sounding different. I've been, I've been trying to find a way to casually call my friends mate for a long time, <laughs> yeah. but any, like in the American accent, it just sounds creepy. Mate. So there's a way I could, I could get one of those. I think English. I was hanging out with my mate the other day. I'll say mate in my accent. Like I think an American mate. It, mate. mate just means someone that you mate it, with. Indeed. <laughs> just, indeed. Oh, right, my mate. Very singular it's purpose a for a mate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not someone you toss back pints with, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, well, not that you can't toss back pints with. Or maybe you do. That's true. That's true. Yeah. 
And it's something that's sort of new agey too. It's like like an older hippie couple would introduce you to this introduce my themselves. Mate. <laughs> my mate, life partner, mate. Exactly. This is yeah. the person with whom I mate. Yes. Um, we, we mate often. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if that's a thing, but I think that's interesting. But that's almost creeping into that weird territory. I want that movie of the killers getting yeah. a serial killer hands. That does yeah, feel yeah. like it. Lies. That does, well, it feel feels like it was something that was a kind of placebo effect, like a kind of I believe this is I have an, some of me, some of someone else in me, and right. therefore I'm adopting. It feels like the kind of thing that would happen psychologically rather than mm. through any sure. physiological. Yeah, you, and you go through that level of trauma or whatever, a transplant. Like things are bound to change a little bit. Like I, I'd be yeah. amused if the person thought they got a liver from a French person and started having a French accent, <laughs> and then found out later down the line that they were Italian. <laughs> just, they just want an excuse to start talking. Just Mexican. Yeah. I just. Yeah. Uh, like, I've oh sounded like an asshole for years <laughs> just, for no reason geez. for this ridiculous excuse. The only this is my favorite thing, science story that I remember from high school that I was fascinated by, and I I'm sure this is true. Did you and we studied it? The guy who was in a mining accident explosion yes. got the lead Phineas pipe, Gage. the pipe through his head. Yeah, Phineas and all Gage. It really changed about him is he turned into an asshole. He turned into an asshole. <laughs> he was, that was, he's changed his personality. I read the same article because that's the word that I yeah. go to when I tell the story. He survived. Did he but still he was have the re- pipe through his like, head, or did they? I think so. They could. They could they only cut it. it yeah. They could only cut the ends off. I think they couldn't remove the. Yeah. Pipe. It went through his brain. Yeah. yeah. Just remember that. Extract the picture. He was a railroad worker. Yeah. And I think he was nailing in a spike and a, a charge. Somehow there was an explosive charge beneath it. And, <laughs> yeah. Everyone was like, he was a really great guy, and then this happened, and he just turned into a freak. You're like, yeah, because he's going to bite his head. Doesn't it just prove that, like, well, we only use 10% of our brain for anything useful. The other 90% is just there to make you a prick. Yeah. 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 Just, like, just like, you're allowed to make be. Make you not a prick. We keep you from being a Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, that's true. To try to suppress your prickishness. Like that show a phrenology diagram. It's like, not prick, not prick, not prick. Like, remembering your mother. I don't know if there's a single non-scientific fact that is reproduced produce more than the only use 10 percent of your brain uh, like that's used yeah. so to justify every bit of yeah. like psych psychic Self ability or telekinesis or, or, yeah yeah and it's as it, and it's bullshit mm. as proved by that story there's no bit of your brain that you can stick a piece of metal into <laughs> and it's fine not have yeah. some effect like, yeah. oh damn we just we must have accidentally hit the 10 percent that time that yeah. <laughs> we started dribbling um, but it is interesting how it is uh, uh, an organ that can find ways to repair work through you know you can have yeah. parts removed and like you'll lose the information that was in there but then things but yeah your brain is remarkably to... good at like assigning those roles to right right to other bits uh, like, have you seen have you seen gabby giffords speak recently well maybe this isn't the best example because she's still really not it's that... but it's it is a it's amazing uh, considering how much over, of a, yeah yeah, how um, much damage was done. But that story, I wonder how many, how long, how much leeway? Because the first couple of months of him being a prick, I know, fair you enough. sort of give, you go, well, he's been through, <laughs> yeah, he's been he's through a lot. By year two, you're like, oh, you're just an asshole. <laughs> 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 but I wonder with, with people who are just assholes anyway, how much of that is just their brain chemistry? When you meet someone everything, in, everything in a bar or restaurant, is your brain public, chemistry, everything yeah, is. But some of it's a lot of it's nurture as well. But you, when you which, meet, which creates new brain wiring. I mean, it's all I, when you meet someone who's just like that guy is just a prick. Like, I wonder how much do they genuinely can't help it. Like- this aligns perfectly with a the theory that I have. I do a lot of work around old people, mm-hmm. and I would say... On, on, on Betty White's Off on the Rockers. On Betty White's Off the Rockers and, and in various other... I mean, I've been a, a restaurant worker for years before that. You do with a lot of... I would say, if I had to just say, of general, like, our age people, I would guess maybe 30% of people are jerks. That's just a... Let's just take that I'll as take a that. thing. Let's say 30% of people mm-hmm. are mean. Old people 
I would say approximately 70% are mean. Mm. So that means some of us are not mean now, but we're going to become mean as we get old. And how do I know if I'm going to be one of those and, and to avoid it? I, uh, I, I do remember, sorry. Yeah, no, I remember a friend of mine uh, who's a doctor telling me that one of the first bits of the brain to start degrading is the bit that deals with sort of social niceties and social norms, oh. which doesn't necessarily turn you into a prick, but it does explain why old people are more likely to... Like children going, be- yeah. you have a big face. Exactly. You know? Just less likely to be tactful and more likely to just blurt <laughs> right. out something offensive. Yeah. Uh, or, or They just or can't be bothered. Or, or, right. yeah. so, They're just like the bit uh, of the brain that tells us... It all comes back to the Gallagher episode, really. Yeah. Is <laughs> right. Well, you, we he notice there's like, tall people on TV yeah. and there's short people at his house and he doesn't Here's understand... Here's the reason I won't defend him is he's <laughs> he was just an asshole like i was expecting him to be okay he's got some reaction reviews or whatever but he's still a comic and still like you got that camaraderie with a fellow comic right before the show started we had our first interaction i don't i think i told you this before the show the, the first time i'd ever met the guy mm-hmm. uh or spoken to him three minutes before the show started i went up to him and said oh hi Ga- gallagher my name's matt i'm one of the hosts of the show thank you so much for doing this and he said oh, you did the thing uh, with the stairs and the beauty pageant. And what that was related to was I I didn't realize he'd been in the audience for my show on Thursday night at the Hawthorne main stage, Uh which um, visitors to Portland to Bridgetown Festival know the dressing room, the green room's up some stairs that Uh go straight onto the stage. So I just open with a little bit of riffing about the room, just, you know, a little bit of nonsense that you do as a comic, just about it being like a game show or a beauty pageant. We're coming down the stairs onto the stage. Just a little riff. riff. And you so, were yeah. coming down for the talent portion of the, yeah. of the beauty yeah. contest. So that was that was how I opened that gig. And he went, oh, you did that thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that was me. And he went, yeah, it didn't really work. Uh, <laughs> that was the first thing he said to me. Like, he just went, which... I, yeah, I don't know whether it's relevant or not. It did. It did actually oh, work as well. Let's, let, let that be stated <laughs> for the record. It works just fine. should have smashed more watermelons. I know. Really? But, it but like, it, so he wasn't saying that as a kind of like, he. I think he b- honestly believed that he was helping calm. He was trying to be an elder statesman Trying to be giving advice. He was that all he, weekend, yeah. But he was, what he was actually doing was just, he was desperate for everyone to realize that he's the most knowledgeable and we all have to learn from him. And the way he, the only way he could do that was to put us all down. So I like I just met him and like hey thanks for doing the show and and uh, within a minute I was just like oh oh hmm. what a, I, I just yeah. walked away almost shell shocked already I'm and, like what a and prick. not just any <laughs> minute one minute before you're about to do yeah. an hour live yeah. podcast I, just, I went you're up to Andy with straight before well, like I just went <laughs> he's an asshole <laughs> <laughs> well we should have no I mean I forgot that Brooks told the story a long time ago about his interaction with him remember that were you on yes. that episode and he I, was just sitting in the back of some room and he would just give unsolicited advice yeah he no, showed no, up to no 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 he showed <laughs> up to was it in a Hyatt uh, it was in Iowa I, think, Iowa, rather. I always get those two mixed up that's where Brooks is from uh, but an open mic that he started out at and um, Gallagher was doing the rest of that weekend like he was a headliner that weekend oh, and he yeah. just showed up a day early just got into town a day early and showed up at the back of the room at the open mic Refused and to go on stage, but just heckled all of the brand new comedians. Advice. Wow! With just yeah, and consistently like, well, would you like to show us how it's done? He's like, no. <laughs> just <laughs> consistently was like, no, no, no. <laughs> this is not. Which well, is the thought that's crossed all of our minds in an open mic before, probably. Yeah. But you don't. I've certainly to, gone yeah, up to a couple of newer comics before one. after their set and gone, hey, maybe you could do this that way, or or uh, don't hold the microphone like this, but not. In the middle of their set, yeah. when they're trying to get out their first yeah. ever jokes they've written. Uh, 
Um, but yeah, he was just a prick. And he's, he's the epitome of whatever the opposite of yes ending is. Right, <laughs> right. Whatever the improv school down. of thought Shut that it down. Like, derails yeah. everything as it yeah. happens. Yeah, yes and fuck no. <laughs> yeah, fuck there you. you go. Fuck no is the opposite. Um, have we got time well, for we- one last story? We're at one fifteen. Up to you. Let's let's do let's do a quick let's do a quick and easy story then. A quick. Uh, do we want um, the future death of painted turtles or Arctic foxes? Because one of them's been killed by global warming, making them all female, and one of them's been killed by mercury pollution. Hmm. Ooh, mercury. Is that Arctic okay. foxes? Mercury is the foxes. Nice. It was the global uh, warming oh. was making the turtles well, all female. I was not expecting that. Oh, oh. yeah, that were, I thought you that said they were dead because they were being painted. No, I no, no. children were painting turtles. <laughs> That's what I was like. Well, I think we all know. Yeah, yeah. I was right on board. If you paint a turtle, it turns turns female. so Arctic foxes. No, the, the, but the painted Great turtles band, are born painted naturally. Uh, well, I don't that's think they're lies. I don't think they're literally painted by anyone except maybe the well, Lord. Don't call <laughs> them painted. The Lord of Turtles. Don't do that's crazy. This is what you a never you never like. caught painted turtles ah! growing up. No. That's just the standard look. Let me see the picture. Is it, it, looks sure. like is it one of those tiger. things where, like, bioevolutionary yeah, yeah. wise, it's, their paintings get more and more elaborate based on? Have you, I don't you know. know. Yeah, like I, I don't know. It doesn't say in this article what their reasons well, for the painting. There are, there are, the, get on the science path. There are crabs uh, that have sort of like uh, splotching on their shells. And there's a tradition in uh, this big Japanese crab fishing community where they there was supposedly some old battle and a bunch of uh, naval battle, a bunch of soldiers died. Carthaginians and Romans? It, 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 bringing it all back. <laughs> uh, but every time they pull one out and the shell markings looks anything remotely like a uh, human or person, mm-hmm. they toss that one back in to huh. sort of appease the, wow. the thing. Wow. And what that has meant is now over a thousand years, the only crabs who are allowed to still mate are the ones with shell markings that look like huh. people to the point where it's gotten elaborate. And there, if you back. see pictures, there are, you now you see a guy holding a sword what? and sort of posed it in action. <laughs> I, I promise you this is oh a thing. Oh my gosh. And well, that's where, will be accurate. That's where baristas got that idea. Oh from. yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's now crabs just like on the pier, just doing your portrait. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I will push out an egg that looks like your, you and your girlfriend. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. That's it, Whatever the gestation period of a crab is come back and then I'll have a thing for it. Just recreations of entire naval battles on on crabs. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. Google that shit. So these these are two horrible with with screwing the world stories. One of them is these painted turtles, it turns out female uh, eggs that hatch in warmer nests tend tend to be female and Mm -hmm. cooler nests tend to be male. That happens, I think, quite a lot. Crocodiles, I believe, do do something like that too. But global warming is producing an imbalance of the number of females which could lead to extinction. Uh, So that's one horrendous story. Women. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one is uh, foxes in Arctic regions who feed on ocean prey are being exposed to dangerous levels of mercury. Because uh, mercury is one of those. Um, it's not as cool as tungsten. It's, it's not as cool as tungsten. It's much so less we're cool. all on, on board with yeah. that. I disagree. Mercury sort of runs and joins and is liquid and it okay, does it's interesting cool in things. That way. It's, it's fun to play with for a couple minutes, but wash your hands yeah, after. Yeah. I, uh, I, when I was a kid, I tried to fake being sick to get out of school and I had to, my mum gave me the thermometer and left the room and I held it near the fireplace to try and cheat <laughs> having a thing and held it too close and it exploded and mum comes running in and is like what happened and I was like ah oh, I bit it because <laughs> <laughs> so she rushed me to the hospital because now you have mercury I'd, in your mouth yeah. yeah oh you went way too far but I told her before we made it to the hospital but anyway was so mercury, you pussy like, out of the light in the end <laughs> yeah we were getting to the emergency room <laughs> we're getting entirely and unnecessary I didn't know what flow. I didn't know what the um, symptoms are for having mercury in your mouth was supposed to be so I couldn't keep up the act I was like uh, you know what? I think I'm fine I think I'm <laughs> you just start talking different accents yeah. Yeah. that's not a thing, not a thing. <laughs> 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 
What accent I was that? I smell toast. Is that, is that a thing? Of tongues. You, What's that? Maybe he went with tongues. Of tongues. He went with tongues. Yeah. Okay. Was Mercury Point, these Arctic foxes, that's what, is that what Jeremy Piven had when he, do you remember that? He was doing a play uh, in Broadway during like entourage off season and he had like a nine month contract and he left after one month or something and claimed that he'd eaten so much sushi that he got mercury poisoning. That no, was his I claim. That. And he was know. eating literally sushi like morning, noon, and night and, and sort of like opted out of his contract based on apparently Arctic right. fox poisoning. So it's a thing. Uh, yeah, he, he was eating a lot of Arctic foxes. But that is a well, thing. Mercury does build up through the food chain um, uh, because it sort of just stays in the body. So, you know, the plankton eat it. And then the more the higher up the, flu, the food chain you, you go, the... Uh, the more it builds up. That's where it's going to stay. That's where it's going to sit. I guess. Yeah, because you're eating more and more and of these things that already have it in, the, in right. you. Digest it or get rid of it or anything. Um, so it just builds up and up and up. And if you're something like a fox, which is relatively near the top of the food chain, they survive almost exclusively on, on seabirds also and some seal carcasses. So I guess the seabirds are the, in turn eating the fish and the fish are eating the plankton. The plankton are eating the algae or, or to plankton eat I don't know but uh, the fish are eating the, the plankton and the algae and whatever so they get the mercury in them and then the seabirds get it built up more and then the foxes build up some more and mercury rising is the technical mm-hmm. term but that's a terrible movie oh I tried <laughs> was that Bruce Willis I regret it now it was Bruce Willis and like I never a kid saw it. I think yeah I think I remember hearing it was racy though was it racy it was probably racy <laughs> um, so there we go we're, we're, we're killing we're killing foxes killing and we're killing foxes. off turtles in different ways, though. In different ways. Slow, it's a slower death for the turtles. It's a more direct consequence of poisoning for the foxes. For the turtles, it's like, we're just going to make your numbers weird. For the turtle, yeah, the turtles, yeah. they're just turning into a weird imbalance. Whatever the opposite of a sausage, sausage party is. Yeah. I mean, it's a, for now, to the delight of the remaining male turtles, yeah. one assumes... For a little that's bit, a good, that's a good point. For the that's last, one of those things that's awesome for a little bit, and then and if then if you're a short, if you're a short term thinker as a turtle, yeah, like your life's gonna be great. Like, well, yeah, how many turtles think generation. to like the sixth generation down the line? Yeah, they're not thinking about passing on their genes. They're like just like yeah, pussy pie. There's one yes. turtle like playing Dungeons and Dragons and living in his parents' turtle basement. And he's just like, if I <laughs> yes, was the only yes. man left, and oh, it's happening. Yeah, it's coming around. Yeah, it's finally happening. If I can just persuade a few more coal burning <laughs> power plants to open up. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so funny what? if you got no. to the head of big business, like the twenty fourth floor on this massive horizon, <laughs> and the big villain in this massive chair swings around. There's just a turtle <laughs> sitting there, going, this awkward dorky turtle. Yeah, He's going, got glasses. Oh, yeah, my plan. A turtle is the head of Cock Industries, <laughs> an Exxon Mobil. <laughs> Exclusively funding the anti-global warming. <laughs> Who's buying all these 1950s oh, Chryslers? It's the turtle community. <laughs> it's the turtle community. God damn those turtles! <laughs> That's well, b- before we wrap things up, actually, I wanted to also thank one more listener who emailed in, um, and he was it was also on our side about uh, about Gallagher, and he wanted to compliment Peter's decorum in dealing with the situation, and he also wondered if Gallagher just took off at the end of the podcast because we didn't actually explain what happened there. We kept recording, and as soon as we said the first goodbye, Gallagher was just gone yeah, after rejecting. Because we reached the natural laugh point. We're like, that's the end of the show. Just like that. And I was like, that's the end of the show. And then we're still like, oh, but what stuff do you have to plug? Or like, what what, what are guests? What's which your Twitter we're, handle? We'll ask you, yeah. we, we should ask you guys now. In fact, what, what's um, you're on Twitter at? Oh, yeah. I'm at, I don't know, uh, probably the at is superfluous. Everyone knew that. Sure, Everyone's Twitter starts with at. I'm <laughs> TJ Chambers LA. I think I'm CPAC. C-P-A-C-K. Related to the Tetra Packs? Oh, 
<laughs> oh, well, I'm going to pretend. Yeah. Try and get my like, fingers in no, there. No, she's related to the far less successful CPAC family. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> just awkward shaped containers. <laughs> well, you know, it was very upsetting because my name's Celia Pacuola and I've never had a nickname and then became CPAC. Anyway, so now it's CPAC. And then someone sent me a photo of um, Sarah Palin talk. Apparently here there's CPAC. Oh, yeah, congr- it's <laughs> like Conservative. Yeah, so I'm going to have to start distancing myself Spell it out again for the listeners. I'm sorry. C P A C K K at C that's, that's great. Yeah. Um, um, and we asked Gallagher what his Twitter handle was, and uh, he does have one, but he apparently doesn't know that. I didn't know if that was run huh. by him. It's Gallagher with three R's at the end, right? Yeah, I think There's yeah. Gallagher, pirate Gallagher, Gallagher. Um, but yeah, what happened was we said like that's the end of the show. Thank you for coming. And he was gone. Well, no, Peter first tried to get uh, a picture taken with him. Yeah, Peter asked for a picture and he just went, he went, hey, Gallagher, can I have a picture with you? And he was just out. Like, Gallagher was, was out of the door. But hanging out on the sidewalk, like he didn't continue booking it. I went, he was, he was just on the sidewalk, like ready to take on, yes, on, to you know, uh, yeah, people to like laud him. He spent most of his festival, like on that little patch of sidewalk or of stood Tabor. next to the security guy. On right. the way into the table. Yeah. Um, so that answers that. But thank you, Chip Cherry from Ontario, for writing in about that. Uh, thank and, you, everyone who wrote yeah. in. Uh, any gigs coming up or any stuff we should know about? I don't think so. I'm going back to London this You're- week. No, I'll be around. No. Oh, yeah, it. and I'll be, well, next, I'll be at San Diego Comic Con in July being nerdy. So that's nice. probably oh, awesome. the next big place you can find Oh, I stuff. should have plugged this. I completely forgot to. But um, for LA listeners, uh, please do come to. Um, Next week, next Tuesday on the 13th, sorry, on the 14th rather, um, at the Westside Comedy Theatre, I'm putting on a show and it's a trial of a new uh, city panel show format that I've thought of. Uh, and I haven't worked out who's going to be on yet, except for friend of the show, Will Anderson. Oh, who's nice. Who's going to be one of the people representing Australia on the show. Excellent. Uh, so come along to that um, Tuesday uh at the Westside Comedy Theatre if you live anywhere near Santa Monica or just anywhere in LA and you fancy a short drive out to the West. It's in an alley, so just if you live near an alley, walk down your alley and look for what looks like a comedy (laughs) theatre. It is in a creepy little alleyway next to the food court, but it's a very, very lovely theatre and please do come to that on Tuesday. Uh, And as always, follow us at Probably Science. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast if you don't already subscribe and write us nice things on iTunes and tell your friends uh, rating us on iTunes and writing comments really help let other people know about us because it bumps mm-hmm. our numbers. And thank you so much to our guests this week, uh, TJ Chambers, Celia Pacuola, and... Thanks for having us. Thanks. I believe that's everything. We'll see you next week. We'll see you then. Bye.